Welcome back to the Grand Valley Community Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you to meet Jesus and grow in faith. Good morning, everyone. Welcome here this morning. This morning, we're going to continue our series called Who's Got Time for Christmas? And this morning, we are going to tackle joy. What is it? Who has it? How do we get it? And how in the world does one make time for joy? As we discuss it this morning, I'd love for you to follow along and even join in the conversation. If you have a phone or a tablet here this morning, I invite you to join with our event on UVersion, the Uversion Bible app. And if you look for Grand Valley Community Church under events, you should be able to find it. And there you'll be able to access announcements and scripture verses, be able to add feedback, and even take your own notes. So we're in the thick of the Christmas season right now. We've got eight more days until Christmas Day. If you're like my family, you've already been to a few parties, have been planning Christmas dinners, and been working away at a list of presents to get. But have any of you ever gotten frustrated by the season? There's the saying, Jesus is the reason for the season. And we hear it. But do you ever look around at what we do and wonder what in the world these things have to do with celebrating the birth of our Savior? Do you ever wonder if we should just scrap the whole production that we normally have in order to honor what's important? Wouldn't a candlelight service, or maybe somberly reading the biblical account of the birth of Jesus, honor the gift of Christ more than all the other stuff that we do this time of year? I'll admit, I've thought that occasionally, sometimes when I'm halfway through a list of Christmas gifts that I still need to buy, or I'm trying to plan a Christmas dinner and figure out who's bringing what. But then I read something in the book of Esther, in Esther 9, verse 22, says this. He told them to celebrate these days with feasting and gladness and by, big, by giving gifts of food to each other and presents to the poor. This would commemorate a time when the Jews gained relief from their enemies, when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. Feasting, gifts of food, presents to the poor, this is starting to sound a little Christmassy. The scripture itself is actually in reference to a Jew- Jewish holiday that is still celebrated to this day. And a t- it was a time for the people to commemorate what God had done for them. But it struck me as very fitting for Christmas as well. Aren't we told in Luke that the angel announced that he had good news of great joy? What news? Oh, you know, just that God had sent his son to be born as the savior of the world so that our relationship with God would be made right and we would be able to enter into eternal, abundant life with him. Good news. Great joy. And I want to pause here for a minute and talk about what joy is and what it is not. If you Google it, Google will tell you that joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Joy is like next-level happy. I think of joy and I think of bubbling. 
Joy is something deeper than happiness. It's more than just being content with your circumstances. It's not something that's meant to be contained. And it's not frequently very quiet. I think that joy is something that has a tendency to leak up and out and around. Joy loves to be shared. And joy is not something that we can create ourselves. It's not about an attitude that we just choose to have. If you think about it, we often hear about something that brings you joy or that you're rejoicing about something. And frequently, when I've found that joy is talked about, it's talked about in comparison to happiness. And it's lifted up as being better than being happy because it lasts through all circumstances. And it's kind of suggested that we should make sure that we're pursuing joy, the right kind of happiness that will last for us. But we're not often told how. And to me, it's always come, always come across as like an attitude that we should be trying to achieve or something that we should be adopting. But that's always felt weird to me because joy is different than gratitude. It's different than just being thankful for what you have. And I'm going to go on record here and say that gratitude is very important. If you guys want to start practicing being more thankful in your lives, I guarantee it will change your life. It will change your perspective. But being joyful is more than just being grateful. And I do want to acknowledge that the Bible does instruct us to be joyful. In 1 Thessalonians, in Philippians, we are instructed to be joyful. But it's also important for us to understand that true joy does not come from ourselves or our own actions. Joy is listed as one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that comes from God, not our own efforts. We cannot create joy in our own life, not godly joy. But we are in control of whether we are in a place where we can receive it. One of the Psalms, it is said, You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. There is something that we can get from God that we can't get from this world, no matter how good things are going from us, for us. But in order to be party to that joy, there are three important points that I want to discuss this morning. So the first would be remain in love. And I will explain what that is. The second is build the kingdom. And the third is forgive others. So we'll start with the first, remain in love. What does that mean? In John 15, Christ told us that he is a vine and we are the branches. He talked about how we need to be plugged into him or abide in him in order to produce fruit. And then a little later on, he told us to obey his commandments and remain in his love. He said that he told us these things so that we would be filled with joy and our joy would overflow. 
there are so many aspects of our relationship with Christ that are to be sources of joy for us. Paul talks about the fact that he considers everything else worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ. In 1 Peter, we are told that trusting God is connected with a glorious, inexpressible joy. In Romans, King David is quoted talking about the joy of those who are forgiven. In the Psalms, we hear about the joy of being in God's presence and the pleasures of living with him forever. In James, we're told to consider the troubles of any kind opportunities for great joy because they are chances to grow and are a part of our journey towards becoming perfect and complete. The key to all of these joys, our relationship with God, knowing who he designed us to be, what he has done to redeem us, being able to be in his presence, witnessing what he is doing in our lives right now, looking forward to the work that he wants to do with us. These are all occasion for great joy. And if we remain in him, we take part in that joy. It's not something of our own making but it's supernatural, defying natural circumstances, bubbling over joy. If you are taking part in our version event, I invite you to go there and answer this question. What aspect of your relationship with God brings you the most joy? I pray that we will know this joy this joy that comes from God. I pray that we will make time for it. I pray that we will pursue it and pursue it to its fullness and be a light to our world in all circumstances because of it. But while we're discussing it this morning, I want to explore two things that I fear we may be allowing to diminish or separate us from that joy. And they are my next two points that I talked about. Building the kingdom and forgiving others. When we overlook the work that we are called to, we are limiting the joy that we are a part of. Before he was taken up to heaven, Jesus gave what is referred to the Great Commission, referred to as the Great Commission. He told his followers to go out into the world and make disciples. A little while before that, however, he told the story of a woman with ten silver coins. And in Luke fifteen, verses eight to ten, this is the story that is told. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. I read this story and I think about the joy this woman experienced. The fact that she was able to invite her friends to share in her joy with her, and that she was rejoicing when she found the coin. 
But then I imagine if she'd never bothered putting in the work of finding it. She had nine coins. She could have let things be. She didn't need to turn on lights, sweep, and search around. Because she did, though, she had joy to share. And perhaps we would have more joy in our lives and in our churches if we shared Jesus' love and concern for those that don't know him. Diligently seeking them and rejoicing when they came to know the Savior. Are we seeking to bring people to God so that we can have joy when they find him? So that we can share in their joy when they experience all of those other things that I listed that bring us joy through Christ? Or have we given up on the work of it? In Philippians, we learn how the believers in Philippi brought joy to Paul. He told them that they were his joy and the crown he received for his work. The kingdom of God isn't built out of buildings or regulations or rules, but it's built out of people. Valuing them, sharing the gospel with them, mentoring them, and seeing God work in relationship with them is a potential source of great joy for us. And I think it's one that we often overlook. Do you make time for this joy? Do you ever share the gospel? Do, do you have someone that you are actively mentoring or investing in right now? the second question that I would like us to discuss later today is how can you and others, if you have a way that you are doing it and you would like to share with other people, but how can we make time for the joy of building God's kingdom this Christmas season and beyond? We'll discuss that in a moment. But I want to talk about the second way. The second thing that can block us from experiencing the joy that God has for us. And that's holding on to unforgiveness. There's a popular parable that Jesus shared um, right around the same time that he shared the story of the lost coin. And it's called the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. You may have heard it called by that. And the story features two brothers and their father. And the first son asked for his inheritance, left home, squandered it all, and came home. And when he came home, his father threw a huge party. His older brother, who had been home the whole time, was less than thrilled. So Luke 15, verses 29 to 32, says this, But he replied, All these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, 
and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. Being concerned about the wrongs that his brother did, even though he'd already been forgiven by his father, meant that this man was sitting there upset instead of being able to enjoy a party. By refusing to forgive, the older brother was robbing himself of a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to experience joy and share it with others. Unforgiveness is like a cancer that can eat away at our souls, our families, and our churches. There is nothing in unforgiveness that builds you, the kingdom, or your joy. Don't let the faults of others rob you of what God has for you. Scripture says in Colossians that we are supposed to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends us. And we're reminded that God forgave us so that we should forgive others. Forgiving isn't always an easy thing to do. I'm not suggesting that it's easy. There's one point in my personal history, and I'm going to be a little vague just because I can't, don't have time to get into all the details. But I was hurt by the actions of individuals in a church. Well, honestly, if I'm going to, there's probably more than one time in my life that I was hurt by the actions of individuals in a church, but I'm thinking of a specific time right now. I was really hurt. It actually shook my faith for a while. I wasn't sure that I was ever going to be okay going to church again. And it took a long time of processing. But I was eventually able to forgive the parties involved. Not that they ever asked for forgiveness, but I was able to make allowance for their faults, forgive them, and actually rejoice in knowing that God had forgiven them as well. Now, many years later, instead of what happened being something that upsets me and separates me from God, it has been able to become something that draws me closer to him because it reminds me of how he forgives and how much he has forgiven me of as well. If you would have told me that seven years ago, I would have ever said something like that, I would have laughed in your face. More realistically, I would have cried because I wouldn't have found it funny at all. It would have seemed impossible. But either way, being able to let it go has opened me up to more joy in that area than I ever thought possible. If I had continued to hold on to it, I would have been robbing myself of that. So I'd like to open it up to discussion now. means I should pull out my own phone so I can see if people have answered. Um, oh, I'm getting more answers as we go. How am I going to keep up? I'll start with the top one. When uh, the answers that we got for the aspect of people's relationship with God that brings them the most joy. 
some of the answers we got were when I became more aware of his spirit being with me and guiding me. Experiencing his forgiveness and mercy continually, witnessing observable change in the lives of others. Someone else that I am forgiven that he loves me. And for the question, how can you and others make time for the joy of building God's kingdom this Christmas season? Someone said, not saying yes to everything. Schedule a time for God, yourself, and the things you enjoy. Someone else said, building relationships with non-Christians, connecting over a meal or praying for them, and extending practical love to them, helping in a move or with childcare, etc. And I'd like to open that up to everyone here. Um, if you have something that you do that builds into other people, that builds into the kingdom, I would love for you to share that. If you have something that you have been considering doing that would build into the other people, I would love for you to share that. Um, or if there's something that is Christmassy that does that, I would love for you to share that. So do any of you have any ideas how we can make time for the joy of building into God's kingdom. Yep. Taking advantage of the things that are happening and just inviting people to them. An excellent example would be our Christmas Eve service. We've got two different times, morning, evening, pancakes in the morning. People love food. We've got food in the evening. And we've even got little invites in the back. There's a table back there. So if you guys want to grab some very pretty little business cards and uh, give them to people, that is a small way that we can start doing it. And it would be a way that could help trigger some conversations that maybe you don't know how to have. The people that answered um, what they struggle with the most, there was a few options there. And 100% of our three responses were knowing how to share the gospel. A good way to kick it off is to say, hey, there's going to be pancakes at my church, or there's going to be drinks and dainties and then a candlelight service with like the classic hymns and whatever, and invite them out. And that can kickstart a conversation. Because then afterwards you'd be like, hey, what did you think of that? Do you have any questions about that? And that's a small way that we could start doing that. Christmas makes it a little easier because people love Christmas. Not everyone. A lot of people love Christmas. And they love Christmas carols. And who doesn't love free food? Um, So Christmas is an easy way to kickstart it and start thinking of how you can do that. Yeah. 
basically to sum that up, being open and vulnerable and kind of sharing your story and things that God has done for you. Um, and then being open to him, being there and leading things. Anything else? get involved, volunteer, kind of just, yeah, I find the same thing. When I am serving in a way, it fills me up, and there is more joy in those things. Then There's definitely more joy in services that I'm involved in than the ones that I just come to. The next question that I'd like to discuss is, what would you say to someone who is struggling with unforgiveness right now? Do you have anything that you could share with someone who's having a hard time forgiving someone? I, I think that is an excellent point. You have to ask the Spirit to help you. Sometimes it is something that you cannot forgive on your own. And you need to ask the Spirit to help you. And it could, I agree with you, it could take a while. It may not be instantaneous. But God will move in your heart. And if this is something that he wants to do, and the Bible is clear, he wants us to forgive, then he will bring us there. There was someone over here that wanted to share. I agree with that too. You're allowed to struggle. Just because we are told that we need to forgive doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. If it's difficult, that's okay. That's, you can acknowledge the hurt that you went through. You can acknowledge what went wrong. You can acknowledge that you don't know what went wrong. It's okay to be hurt. And we can bring it to God. And it may not be instantaneous, but he can move through us in that. Anyone else have anything? You ask yourself if you can let them go without having to pay for... Pay for you, don't, you don't have to suffer for the consequences... Okay. You don't expect them to suffer for what they've done. Yeah, let them go. Okay. Was there? I think it's often important to make a distinction between forgiveness and condoning. Mm hmm.
Mm-hmm. It's helpful to make the distinction between the fact that forgiving is not condoning what they did. You're not saying what they did was good or okay, but you're saying that you forgive it. And that's important. Brian? One of, one of the things for me that kind of helps with both of these last two comments is to say, can I honestly pray that God will bless the person that I'm not forgiving? Because I don't believe that I can pray blessings and hold on forgiveness at the same time. And so even if I don't want to pray that God will bless them with his presence or guide them, protect them, by doing that, it forces me to have to let go of my unforgiveness. You know, and, and over time, suddenly you realize, wait, I'm genuinely praying a blessing for them. I really have forgiven them. So it's kind of a litmus test and how you heal. So you pray for the person and ask God to bless them. And if you are struggling with that, it kind of lets you know that you haven't forgiven them yet. And over time it helps you get to that point where... To expand on that a little bit, what uh, I've done in the past too is before I can pray a blessing on someone, I'll ask God uh, for what particular hurt or place specific hurt me. Yeah, asking God for wisdom so you can kind of understand where it came from, what what hurt they were operating out of, and that kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he just said that. Hurt people, hurt people. So it kind of helps if you can pray and say, okay, God, like, why might they be acting like that? And when you pray for wisdom, God loves to give us wisdom. And so if your heart is in the right place and you're saying, okay, God, I want to understand this. I want to pray for this person. He will give you wisdom. You may not understand everything, but he, I fully believe if you say, God, how can I pray for this, um, this person? He'll give you something. You may not understand why, but he'll give it to you and you'll have something to pray for them. Actually, when I find uh, it difficult to forgive someone, I remind myself of all that Jesus has forgiven me. Yeah. Yeah. When we think of the things that God has forgiven us for, I agree with that. Because I know that I am not perfect. And I would love to believe that I have never done anything that would hurt someone. But I'm sure that I have. Sometimes because. I was oblivious, sometimes because I was operating and hurt myself and I did something without thinking. But yes, we are not perfect. And it helps to remember that we are not perfect and we are forgiven and we can forgive others as well. I'll see uh, what other people... Some of these answers are things that we've already discussed. So someone mentions start praying a blessing for the other person, even if you don't want to. Um, Knowing that nobody is perfect, including ourselves. Try to understand their point of view. And praying for the person who offend you. Someone said get help. And honestly, <laughs> that is a great answer. If you are really struggling with forgiving someone, talk to someone about it. 
It could be a professional. It could be a counselor. It could be a mentor that you have. It could be a friend. But if you are struggling and you want to be able to forgive, talk to someone. Ask for help. That's the shortest, but I really like that answer too. Get help. Anybody else have any thoughts on this? Thank you for your feedback. I really appreciate that. So in conclusion, I'm going to read another scripture that talks about feasting and joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says this. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Frequently, we are told that joy is something that lasts longer than happiness and doesn't rely on our outward circumstances. But how often do we talk about the fact that our joy gives us strength to press on? The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians while he was in prison. And he brings up joy 16 times in four chapters. When we have the joy of the Lord, our circumstances don't mean as much. The lows that we experience are less likely to be able to discourage us. And situational highs are less likely to derail us. Joy is not just a happy, bubbly feeling that's an optional bonus for our faith. Even Christ persevered because of the joy that was set before him. That's what we're told in Hebrews 12. In Romans 14, we're told, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you as we continue through this busy Christmas season, eight more days, find time for joy. Be connected to God. Think of what he has done for us. Do the work that he has called us to do. Build the kingdom. Ask him what little thing he would like you to do. If you have someone that you need to forgive, forgive them. Because like I said, the joy that we can get from God, that he wants us to have from him, it's more than just a bonus for our faith. It is something that will carry us through when things are difficult. It is something that he wants us to have. And when we aren't pressing in and pursuing how we could have it, we are weakening ourselves by not being plugged into what he wants us to have. So this Christmas, I encourage you, find time for Christ. Find time to build the kingdom. Find time to forgive. Find time to find what will be your strength. 
instead of the benediction this morning, I'm going to read Nehemiah 8.10 again as we think about Christmas. Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. It is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This holiday season, may you take part in celebrations that honor our Lord and allow him to fill you with his joy. Amen. We hope this message helps you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information about us, visit gvccbrandon.ca.